check out my new book, Reach All Readers at reachallreaders.com. When you pre-order, you'll get special access to my Science of Reading mini course. Learn more at reachallreaders.com. We're moving along in our Balanced to Structured Literacy series, and this week I had the true delight of speaking with Heidi Jane, who is very active on TikTok and Instagram, spreading the news about the science of reading. And when she first started learning, she felt like she was all alone, but now she's found a whole community of teachers who are anxious to learn more. We'll get started right after the intro. Welcome to Triple R Teaching, where we encourage you to think differently about education by helping you reflect, refine, and recharge. This isn't just about trying something new as you educate those entrusted to your care. We'll equip you with simple strategies and practical tips that will fill your toolbox and reignite your passion for teaching. It's time to reflect, refine, and recharge with your host, Anna Geiger. Hello and welcome everyone. Today I'm excited to interview Heidi. If you follow the science of reading on TikTok or Instagram, you definitely know Heidi. She's learning with Heidi on TikTok and dropping knowledge with Heidi on Instagram. She is always there sharing lots of relevant information about the science of reading. And what's most exciting about Heidi is that she started out as a balanced literacy teacher. And she's very open about her journey. And that's why we're thrilled to welcome her to our Balanced to Structure Literacy podcast series. So welcome, Heidi. We're so glad you're here. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about your teaching background and start with, you know, how you learned to teach reading and how you did that, how it looked in your classroom? Sure. Um, And you know what? Cut me off if this goes too long because I have a lot to say about this. Um, I completely 100% come from a balanced literacy, very much balanced literacy background. Um, I was taught to teach kids to memorize words. I was first grade teacher for 11 years, um, 10, 11 years, taught kids to memorize words, had my word wall. We used leveled readers. I had two leveled libraries in my classroom, one for my guided reading and two for their book shopping. Um, and we used you know, leveled assessments. That's how I always assessed my kids. Um, we didn't even get a phonics program until later, um, but that was kind of like kind of thrown at us like here, supplement a little bit with this, but we were still teaching whole language strategies such as guessing words. I literally had a lesson in our curriculum that guess the covered word where we cover the word and the kids have to guess based on pictures. And so those were the strategies that I knew. That's what I knew. And my second year teaching, um, my school that I was working at actually was identified as what's called a priority school. Are you familiar with that at all? No, I'm not. Okay. So a lot of people are not. Um, but And I never was until this happened. But it's basically means that we were identified as failing mm. by the state and the federal government. And it was a we had a lot of federal mandates that came in to us, such as... We had to go to school for eight and a half hours a day with the kids. So my day actually went from like... 7.15 to 2.05 to 7.15 to 3.35. So oh. we added an hour and a half onto our school day. And, you know, we all knew that wasn't really a good thing. Like, how, let's work smarter, maybe, not yes. harder, right? <laughs> we had these people come in that we paid millions of dollars to that were called turnaround partners. And they were you know, consultants who were coming in to turn the school around because if we didn't turn the school around in four years, we would get shut down. Wow. And yeah. 
And I refer back to that only because, and I've only told this story one other time in a different conference, but um, I refer back to that because when these turnaround partners came in, really what we did was we got pulled from our classrooms and a sub was put in our classrooms. We got pulled. I remember sitting in the library and they had us writing curriculum based on the common core standards. And like, I guess this was their strategy to turn our school around. And I think back on it now, because the thing is like, why didn't you teach us about the science of reading? What was their strategy in getting you to do that? I, I don't know. And you know, I think back on that time too. And I'm like, can I pinpoint what their plan was? you know, to turn our school around. Cause I was one of the classrooms, like the model classrooms. I was one of the people that was working really closely with them. And I can't, I can't pinpoint, they were great people and everything, but I cannot pinpoint like what their, their strategy was, like how we're going to turn this school around. When I think back on it, like they never mentioned, like I'm a first grade teacher, right? They never mentioned phonemic awareness, phonological awareness, mm. um, orthographic mapping. I didn't hear any of those terms ever until about two years ago. I didn't know what those were. <laughs> okay. So what, how did this cut turn out? And then what was the next step? Yeah, so um, my third year in of teaching those long extended days, I was having a baby, my son. Oh. And so I decided I'm not going to work those long hours anymore. Um, so I ended up leaving and going and teaching in my, my elementary school where actually I went to school. Um, and the school ended up getting shut down. Oh, so it got shut down, yep, a year later, and it's now being used as a Montessori school. Um, so it did get shut down. Um, and so, yeah, and so I went to work in my elementary school, which was wonderful. My kindergarten teacher was still there. Wow. It was nostalgia every day I walked in, that smell, you know? <laughs> I don't know. If you've ever been back to your old schools, there's like a smell in the school that just, it was great. But um we were, we were still not teaching our kids to read. And I found out later, you know, that my district is in the very low. If you look at like all the districts in my state, mm -hmm. um, we're, we're kind of at the bottom. And so we are struggling in how to teach kids to read. And in 2020, and I might be jumping ahead here, but in 2020, uh, I was trained in reading recovery, which is the program mm -hmm. that my school used, my district used for struggling readers. That's what our title teachers use. So this is what our kids got, tier two and tier three. And then tier one, we were using units of study. And so we're essentially failing our kids. And, and I was too, and I, I just didn't know. And even through this reading recovery training, I never learned about phonemic awareness. I had never heard that term before. I went through my materials. I actually found my materials recently. And it's funny because there was there was an article in there. Um, there was a Kilpatrick article and there was an article on orthographic mapping. But most of our time was spent on running records in MSV. Mm -hmm. We were watching videos of kids reading and we were marking the running records. We were doing that MSV. Um, you know, training and, and learning more about that. So that was that was what the majority of our training was on. So did you ever have a chance to apply it or did you just learn about it? No, no, because um, we were we were it was a year long program. And so we were finishing in 2020. And so that's when the pandemic happened. Uh, sure. And so we had to actually finish our last 
two or three months or whatever that was virtually. But it was really basically the same stuff that I actually felt like I had been doing because I had been doing run room records. I had been using leveled readers. So in my experience, when I remember teaching with balanced literacy, like I really felt like this was the way to teach reading. Like the other ways weren't appropriate. Like I, I believed in phonics, of course. I mean, that's how I learned to read. But I felt like it was going to make reading not fun, that decodable books were terrible, that leveled books really promoted comprehension. And so it, it took a lot for me to listen. What was it that got your attention? <laughs> yeah, I am the same way. I was a Jan Richardson fanatic. I went to see her. Um, I loved guided reading. And I was taught, you know, you're, I feel like you probably can relate to this. There's this like stigma around phonics and around decodable readers, right? When you're in the yes. balanced literacy world, like you're kind of taught those are bad because they're boring and they're not fun. I, rem I was a big fan of Reggie Routman too and Lucy Hawkins. And I had all their, I still have their books because I want to be able to refer to them, but I just love them. They're all marked up because they really inspired you to be excited about teaching reading, which I think is a positive thing. Unfortunately, like in, I think in uh, Lucy Hawkins' book, The Art of Teaching Reading, there's like six pages about phonics. Like the book is 600 pages long and there's like six pages about phonics. So that's a real problem. Um, but like you said, in many of the books I read, they told me that to use Sound It Out as a last resort because that was focused, that was focusing on a, a discrete skill, which was a problem. Like it wasn't focusing on the big picture. So what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this, uh, I completely found out about the science of reading on accident. So I had, we had talked a little bit earlier that my husband is also a teacher. Well, I was working with my son who was four at the time, but he had not started preschool. But, you know, as my husband and I are both teachers, we're like, okay, we saw a lot of students struggle. We didn't want him to struggle. My, I have an older daughter. She struggled. So we're like, we're going to make sure, he, you know, he doesn't struggle. And so we, he had already known his letters and sounds. And so for me, my next step was like, okay, let's start reading some CVC words. So I was putting CVC words in a book and we were saying the sounds and reading the words together. Well, my husband... And if anybody's heard the story before, I literally just remember him walking down the stairs. I can picture the very day he walks down the stairs. I'm working with my son and he goes, what are you doing? Like kind of rude, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm working. I'm working with him. We're learning how to read. And he goes, he's not ready for that. And I was like, what are you talking about? Well, my husband was in the military and then he got out and then he went back to school for reading or for teaching and he went to school after me. Well, after I had already graduated, he they implemented something called the Foundations of Reading Test, which touches a little bit on phonological and phonemic awareness. Mm. So that's how he had exposure to it. He wasn't as familiar as we both are now, but he at least had heard of it and knew what it was, right? And so he tells me that our son needed phonological and phonemic awareness and I'm telling you I literally had no idea what he was talking about I'm like what are you talking about and you know if if this was true if you're right first of all you're probably wrong because I've been teaching longer and <laughs> if this is true why hasn't somebody told me about this somebody would have told me like you're wrong because do you know how long I've been teaching now for whatever how many nine years and I've been to a million PDs and no one told me about this and they would have told me you know I was sure yeah. I was, I had faith that somebody would have told me. And so actually I started researching those terms to like prove him wrong. Cause I'm yeah. like, you have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know. And here we are. 
That's literally how I learned and that how I started. So interesting. So interesting. My husband is also a teacher, but he teaches New Testament Greek, so it's not quite the same. Oh wow! When he, I knew I was learning the science of reading when I taught my youngest to read. I used the structured literacy approach and everything. And when he heard him sounding out all the words really slowly, he said to me, like privately later, like that made me feel sad because he was used to hearing the other kids quote read so quickly. And but of course. Um, he picked it up very quickly and he's a very advanced reader now, but um, it is hard at first to switch over. And I think it's so funny that your journey was to prove him wrong because that was mine, but it was the Emily Hanford article. Because when blog posts, blog commenters pointed to that article, which totally blew up 3Qing and just killed me. Like I, I just, first of all, I didn't believe it could possibly be true. What did she know? And then more people mentioned it. I'm like, oh, I guess I have to go read it so I can respond to it. And that was my plan to put a blog post refuting the article. And I I never could because <laughs> she was actually right. And she had quoted, she had it all figured out, like in a very easy to understand article. Um, but that's, that's just so interesting. So tell me how you got started sharing on social media. Yeah, so I had been on Instagram um, and just recently it had at this time had got on TikTok because my older daughter was like, mom, you need to be on TikTok, it's fun and whatever. <laughs> So, but I wasn't sharing teaching content at the time. At that time, when I first went there, really, it was only dyslexia specialists, reading specialists, and speech pathologists sharing about the science of reading. Like, if I Googled, if I searched the hashtag phonemic awareness, that was all I could find. And I was like, where's the classroom teachers? And, you know, there was a couple, like uh, Sarah Snippets and Meredith from Creativity of the Core. But that was like it. Everybody mm -hmm. else was specialists. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I felt like, well, I'm not a specialist, but I teach first grade and I should know how to teach these kids how to read. Because really, now that I've learned about phonemic awareness and, and a lot of other things, I can literally picture kids in my mind all the time who I could have helped if I had only known, right? Yes. And as a classroom teacher, I'm the first, like... You know, they can get tier two and tier three instruction if if they need it, but I'm their first go-to. You know, I'm the first line of defense. Let's say line of defense against illiteracy, right? Mm -hmm. So I should have been, I should have known about these things. And so I started sharing just a little bit because I was a little nervous because I'm like, you know, I'm just still learning myself. So I just started sharing like little bits of pieces. And really, I think that it caught traction when I started talking about side words um, okay. and it kind of trying to blow up the, <laughs> you know how Emily Hanford blew up the MSV is like, that's kind of my goal for <laughs> side words because as a first grade teacher, that was literally my life. And it was so stressful and it was stressful for me. It was stressful for the kids. It was stressful for parents. And it's like, wait a second, but there's a better way here. Mm -hmm. So orthographic mapping and sight words really kind of became my thing. And I think that's what kind of caught traction um, and then I randomly shared a video on TikTok of my son reading, got a bunch of views and I was like, oh, do people on TikTok like care about like, you know, <laughs> watching a kid learn how to read? Like, mm -hmm. cause you know, a lot of people think it's just like dancing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but there's so much, um, education going on on TikTok. And so, uh, I just started sharing more there and it caught traction there too. So I was just like, okay, well, I think, you know, I guess I'm not the only one who didn't know and it's okay to say we didn't know it. It's not our fault, even though I felt guilty at first and I felt like it was my fault. I want to other teachers to also know it's not your fault. We, we can't, you know, do better until we know better. 
I agree with all that. And I, I want to ask you, so for people that are in balanced literacy, they may not see that anything they're doing is wrong. Like it may seem to them like it's working. I thought it was working. Um, and you probably, I'm sure you thought it was working, but looking back, can you, without giving too much detail that you're not comfortable giving, can you give us some examples of how you look back and think, oh, now I know I could have done that better. Oh yeah. I'll just talk about this one girl who always pops into my mind. I remember sitting with her, working with her and I was doing all this, you know, where I know the, the viewer, the listeners can't see me, but I'm tapping my shoulder, then my elbow, then my wrist at, at, and I'm going like, and then I go cat and she's just staring at me mm-hmm. and I'm like, cat and she's still just staring at me and I'm like, <laughs> cat and she's still just staring at me and I'm like, I don't know what else to do, you know, and I'm talking and she was getting some tier three interventions and, you know, so I'm talking to the title teacher, like, what else can we do? The title teacher is still using leveled readers with her as well. Um, well, now I know. She didn't have the foundation of phonological and phonemic awareness. She probably was unable to identify even a beginning sound. If I said, Mm -hmm. cat, can you tell me what sound you hear in the beginning of the word cat? I'm almost positive she would not have been able to say, and those those are the skills Mm -hmm. that, you know, kids need to be successful readers. Phonemic awareness is so important. And so... um, I can, that's just one example of, of a time where I'm like, oh, if only I had known, I know I could have, I know I could have helped her, you know? Yes. I have sad stories like that too. And I, now that I'm studying a lot about dyslexia, I know for sure that I had students with dyslexia. And, you know, my advice to the parents was, well, read to them more, you know, practice these level books more, which were not what was going to do the job. And then I think, especially now too, as I learned so much, I really think that it's really important that third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade teachers study this stuff too, because um, my first three years of teaching were in a combined class, the third, fourth, and fifth grade, actually. And then after that, I moved down to primary grades. But I I didn't know much of, at all, except how I learned to read. Like I didn't, I hadn't studied anything about digraphs or any of that stuff in college. And so when I had a third grader who couldn't, who couldn't read, who couldn't um, spell CVC and CVCE words, she kept mixing them up. It just didn't occur to me that I should give her a phonics assessment and give her some explicit instruction after school for 10 minutes a day. You know, I mean, that would have really made a difference. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this is for everybody, all teachers that teach children, um, not just for primary teachers, because when it gets missed in the primary grades, and it does, middle grade teachers can can figure out what to do. But everyone needs this information, which brings me to your membership. Tell us about your brand new Science of Reading membership and how you started that and what's included. Yeah, so, you know, and I know we talked a little earlier, like I never, this is just kind of a track that I never thought I would be on. Let's just say that. But when I started sharing, you know, a a lot of teachers and a lot of parents also were like, well, where can I find a resource about this? Or where can I learn more about this? And, you know, so I started linking everything to different websites that I was using, different books that I was using or resources. And then a lot of times I couldn't find a resource, you know, so I started creating these resources because I just saw a need and people were asking for them. It's nothing I ever thought I would do. So then some people were like, well, can I just buy all of your, like a science of reading bundle? So I created that. 
Then I started getting messages like, well, how do I even use this stuff? Like people would just get the stuff and then they are like, now what? Right? So I created a membership. So I created the Science of Reading 101 membership um, for people who would like a little bit more support. So inside the membership, you get all of the materials, but they're organized in a way to where if you are teaching CVC words tomorrow, you can literally go to the membership click on CVC words and grab everything you need, watch a couple of videos, grab some lessons and go. And then there's also, I do like monthly live meetings with them. Um, I do, a, there's a member Q and A section. So I'm answering all of their questions. There's a place where they can request resources. There's some exclusive resources. I just want it to be tailored, you know, towards the members and towards what they need because it's really built as a, a support. Like how can I better support these teachers who are looking to make the change and unlearn all the things like I am even though I have unlearned a lot, I still feel like I learn new things all the time. Uh, can you still learn about the science of reading without joining the membership? Absolutely. Like I said, it's all out there for you. I just felt like there was a lot of, I got a lot of messages from people who wanted that extra support and a place to go. And so that's what the membership is for. Yeah, really, it's a time saver, right? Like helping someone just zero in on exactly what they need. What would you say to someone who, yeah. whether or not they choose to join your membership, what are some resources that you found really helpful, maybe specific books or other places where you've learned a lot in the last couple of years? Yeah. So I always recommend, um, the book, No better, do better by David and Meredith Levin. So clear, like it is written so nicely. It's an easy read with practical tips and great background information on how we got here, why we shouldn't stick with balanced literacy and how we even got to that point, right? Why we shouldn't use leveled readers. Um, and then like practical tips and tricks for like teaching things like phonological and phonemic awareness. So I love that book for that reason. It's a great starting point. And then also I always recommend the free training from really great reading mm. and they have it from pre-k through 12th grade you can literally just take the free training and be done and they won't like they don't send you a ton of emails afterwards <laughs> like hey buy this buy that they don't even do that awesome well um i will link to all these things in the show notes and if anyone again wants to find heidi if you for some reason haven't found her yet um, you can check her, check her out on TikTok, L Learning with Heidi, or on Instagram, Dropping Knowledge with Heidi. So thank you so much for joining us today, Heidi. Thank you. It was great talking with you. Thanks so much for listening. In the show notes today, you can find all of Heidi's recommended resources, as well as places to find her, including her Science of Reading membership. So the show notes are located at themeasuredmom.com forward slash episode 82. We'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of Triple R Teaching. For more educational resources, visit Anna at her home base, themeasuredmom.com, and join our teaching community. We look forward to helping you reflect, refine, and recharge on the next episode of Triple R Teaching.